Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam and I want to welcome you to my podcast. We've got a great show today. I'm going to be speaking about a very rare cancer diagnosis in the eye called retinoblastoma. Then I'm going to be talking about visual tracking. This is a skill that's really important. And then finally, I'm going to talk about how to apply contact lenses to reduce myopia. Well, stay tuned. Hey, folks, it's Dr. Sam, and I want to welcome you to another Eye Clarity Podcast. We've got some great questions today, and I think I'm going to start with Julie. She's very concerned about her daughter, who's in second grade, and uh, she's been diagnosed, her daughter's been diagnosed with a condition called retinoblastoma. So let me just read a little more about it. I have a daughter. She was diagnosed at two years old. She's now seven. She definitely has some issues. She has a cataract in the retinoblastoma eye. And she also is having some reading challenges, but she's very bright and well-adjusted. As I said, she's in second grade. We do use a holistic eye doctor, but I just discovered your work, and I'm very interested in what you have to say. Can you offer us some advice? Well, retinal blastoma is a very rare cancer, and it it develops very rapidly in the the retina of the eye. What happens is, is that the, um, the nerve cells develop a genetic mutation and they start to grow and multiply almost to the point where then they accumulate into a tumor. Now, this condition usually occurs before age two, and uh, the, the form of treatment is doing surgery. Now, about 5% of uh, children who develop retinoblastoma actually go blind, which is a pretty low percentage. The vast majority of uh, patients maintain their eyesight, and uh, most of the cases are related to a genetic mutation. All right, well, the first thing I would say is that, you know, vision is more than an eyeball process. It actually, it takes place in the brain. And there's certain parts of the brain function that actually start to inform the eyes. And this occurs actually in utero. When we start floating in our mom's amniotic fluid, we're stimulating the vestibular system, that's the inner ear, but we're also stimulating the peripheral vision. Birth is another very important time uh, time period. And depending on what happens at the birth, this can also begin to influence not only our sensory motor development, but especially our eyes and vision. And of course, our bonding stage, you know, how we bond with our mom and dad, also has an effect on our visual development. Now, vision is stimulated by our movement, and movement stimulates our vision. And one of the primary motor patterns that occurs in young children is called the primitive survival reflexes. And these are very early motor patterns that help us adjust to coming out of the birth canal. These reflex motor patterns are governed by the brain stem, which is our survival brain. Now, it's very important that these reflexes become integrated by about age two at the latest. If there's been some traumatic event, and in this case, any kind of eye surgery, 
it begins to interfere with the child's ability to integrate those primitive reflexes. So Julie, one of the things that I would have tested would be what are you what is the state of your daughter's primitive reflex integration? If these primitive reflexes are still hanging around at uh, in the school age area, then this actually creates a competition between the brainstem, our lower brain function, our survival brain, and our prefrontal cortex, our executive function, what we need for learning and reading. And so having the primitive reflexes uh, tested and then doing primitive reflex integration to help integrate those reflexes would actually release the brainstem and then your child might be able to access more of their vision. As I said, vision is more than an eyeball experience. So our vestibular system, that's our balance mechanism, um, our visual processing, our visual memory, our ability to motor in the world using our guiding system, which are our eyes and ears. These are things that you can stimulate, develop, and work on in terms of physical eye therapy. So this is um, a very critical period in that if you start doing physical eye therapy and you start where your daughter is, so even though you know she might not have the function of one of her eyes, she still has her proprioception, her vestibular system, her motor patterns, and you can work with improving and accessing the neuroplasticity of the eye-brain connection. I would also do things like craniosacral therapy. Cranial work can be very helpful if you've had any kind of eye surgery or surgery at all in terms of getting rid of releasing the trauma in, in the body. Nutrition is another important point. So going to somebody, maybe a naturopath, getting a hair analysis, urine analysis, live blood analysis, finding out what's happening on on the cellular level, maybe adding, boosting fats and oils. This is good for neurological health. Uh, I like the medicinal mushrooms. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, the medicinal mushrooms offer a lot of anti-cancer benefits. So you can use those in certain smoothies or get them in a capsule form. Foods with vitamin B complex, vitamin A, vitamin C, uh, the trace minerals are very important, probiotics. So these are all things that I would suggest and recommend in terms of um, stimulating the visual system as it relates to the body. You know, one of the things I learned at the Gazelle Institute where I trained and I worked with kids with a variety of different uh, visual disorders, learning disorders, is that if you start working with the whole person and you do things, especially in the physical therapy realm, where you're bringing the eyes into the equation, you actually have a very good chance of stimulating and improving a person's vision no matter where they are, no matter what the diagnosis is. And just to remember, you don't have to live out your doctor's diagnosis. There are many things that you can do to help stimulate and improve the vision, visual processing, brain function, motor function, cognitive processing. Sounds like your daughter is already doing really well. These are some tweaks that I would add. So, Julie, I hope that's helpful to you. Um, I really appreciate your participation. Thank you so much for the question. All right, next question is from Debbie, and she's asking a question about visual tracking. I actually just posted a video blog on YouTube 
on the importance of visual tracking. So what visual tracking is, is one's ability to be able to track an object with the eyes. And there are two types of movements. There's pursuits, which are smooth movements, and saccades, which are more jumping movements, uh, like near to far, or from the left to the right, or up to down. Both sets of movements are actually dictated by the brain and controlled by the brain. And visual tracking is a very, very important visual skill in reading. If you have visual tracking problems, you might be skipping words, losing your place, needing a finger to keep your place, falling asleep when you're reading, uh, poor reading comprehension. So visual tracking is one of those fundamental skills, and there are many, many exercises that can help improve the eye muscle control. I think it's important that any visual tracking exercise that you do, you want to include the internal connection, your internal awareness, your breathing, your body awareness as you're doing the visual tracking exercises. I also like using an eye patch where you're working with the tracking with each eye separately. And I also include uh, doing tracking exercises while you're walking, moving, balancing, because when you start bringing in the vestibular system and you start stressing the brain and the body so they have to develop better tracking, this is where you really improve the tracking skill. You know, I remember very early in my career, I had the good fortune of working with the men's Olympic volleyball team. I was working in an optometric practice in San Diego, Dr. Bob Sanit's office. And Dr. Sanit is a world-renowned holistic optometrist. He's done a lot of great things in sports vision. And I was a student of his uh, during that time. And we actually worked with the men's Olympic volleyball players who were based in San Diego. And some of them had visual tracking problems. They would take their eye off the ball when they would try to hit the volleyball. And there was a statistician who used to keep track of their, uh, uh, you know, their misses. Uh, And they found, the statistician found that towards the end of the game, that uh, these guys were actually missing more and more shots and they were taking their eye off the ball and they had tracking issues. So I remember they would come into Dr. Sanit's office and we had them jumping on rebounders and doing all kinds of fixation and tracking exercises while they were moving, while we were you know, trying to um, distract them. It was, it was a great uh, three months. And of course, they ended up winning the gold medal. Uh, the players attributed their success to the vision therapy that Dr. Sanit was uh, promoting and doing, and I was carrying out with him. So it really showed me the importance of visual tracking, not only in reading, but also in sports performance. So, um, Debbie, I think that visual tracking is a, certainly a very important skill in your reading, and uh, I'm really glad you asked it because it's really important in the overall uh, visual processing and our, our healthy visual system. Okay, last question today. Uh, This is on contact lenses and reducing myopia. So myopia is a condition that we pull the world in and we tighten up our eyes. We blur it out in the distance. And the the reason why we do that is, you know, maybe we don't understand what's going on. There's chaos there. 
uh, there's emotional confusion, whatever the reason, we pull our world in, we tighten up, and our mind starts telling our eyes, I'm afraid, I don't know what's happening. And we go to the eye doctor once the vision becomes blurred, and we get a lens, this is a nearsighted lens, that basically is validating our programming. That's what the scenario is when you go to an eye doctor. So as your eyes get worse and worse and you get stronger and stronger lenses, a lot of people opt for contact lenses. Now, the thing about contact lenses is that most eye doctors like to overpower you. They give you the strongest lens possible because they think that they're doing a service, but actually what they're doing is they're tightening your eyes even more. And on top of tightening your eyes even more, the other thing they're doing is they're accelerating the need for reading glasses when you hit 40. So one of the techniques I love to do is when somebody comes in and they're, they've got myopia, the first thing that I like to do is I like to give them a reduced prescription. So I slightly undercorrect them for the distance. And when I say slightly undercorrect, instead of giving them 2015, I give them 2020. So it's a little softer vision, but guess what? They can read with the contacts and it slows down the progression of needing reading glasses. And this is great. In addition to that, what I like to recommend is a pair of contacts that are in the 2040 range. Now, these contacts can work really well for your computer, for reading. And one of the techniques I do is I, I give people the 2040 contacts, and then I make them up a pair of glasses that will give them the strong 2020 prescription. So they're wearing the glasses over the contacts when they're driving, watching movies, uh, watching TV. But during the, the day, generally, they're in that 2040 prescription, which is softer, more open, more relaxed, less tight. And what happens over a period of a few months is that prescription can then become their distance prescription because the eyes, the mind, the brain will adjust to any lens that you put in front of it. So if you start putting a weaker lens in front of it and you use it in certain situations where you're not having to strain or tighten up, this is a way for you to begin to use contact lenses uh, to improve your vision, reduce your myopia. And nowadays, you can get the disposable contacts, so you can buy a box of the, the lenses that correct you for 2020, and you can buy um, a box of lenses uh, that correct you to 2040, and you're not breaking the bank here. So that's a simple way of beginning to reduce your myopia by wearing different strengths of contact lenses based on the demand that's placed on you. So everybody, that is our show. It is a wrap. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I want to thank you for your questions. Um, just a quick note, those of you that are maybe thinking about my Hawaii retreat, I would sign up. We're going to have a great time. The dates of that retreat is January 24th to January 30th. More information on Eventbrite, uh, Facebook, on my Facebook page, or send me an email at appointments at drsamburn.com, and I'll send you an invitation. Okay, everybody, until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsamburn.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs.
The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Burns' information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.